What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's another episode of Action Movie Anatomy, and we are breaking down a movie we have been waiting for patiently for so freaking long, guys. It's been called The Female John Wick. Atomic Blonde is on the docket. We'll see you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, high energy, and interviews. <laughs> Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Ooh. High energy. High energy. High energy. <laughs> we like to scream that at each other while we're getting ready. Oh my god. Dun, so dun, dun, dun. Dude. Can you hear me? Oh, there's my voice. There you go. I'm back. You're back. Yeah. You're back. It's exciting. It's Monday, actually, right now, where yeah. we are. Well, you guys know we're pre-taping. Is it I know, it's Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, where are you? Where am I? <laughs> guys, it is a lovely Tuesday. We're pre-taping Action Movie Anatomy today. Yeah, we uh, we had a special scheduling conflict this week that uh, made it so we had to pre-tape. It's all good. Unfortunately, it does mean that uh, our covert operative is not on the couch today. I know. Unfortunately, Miss um, Miss Verano was not able to make it because of scheduling. I am currently in Utah right now while you guys are watching this. Surprising my mother. We lied to you last week. Benjamin is not out of town. It is my fault that we're pre-taping. Uh, and it's also my fault Marina's not here. But yes. I'm super excited. I'm wearing a tux today. <laughs> yeah. Why am I wearing a tux today, Ben? You're wearing a tux today. For the record, guys, my tux is in my car. Um, gonna wear I'm probably going to do this with just a black bow tie. But long story short, because we're competing in the very first round yes. of the Movie Trivia Schmodown, the Ultimate Schmodown Tournament, uh, the team's tournament. It's the very first round today. We're taping our match, which you guys will not hear the results of for weeks. Mm-hmm. And we will be, uh, you know, mum's the word. But we, we can't freaking wait, guys. We're so excited. And we're, yeah, you, you, when this goes up, you're going to know that that was our thing, is we had tuxes on. I can't wait. But that's all you can know. Yes. Uh, but we're here to talk about something entirely different today. Yes. And what is that? Uh, we are here to talk about Atomic Blonde. Guys, yes. we wanted this movie so bad. We did. And I have to be totally upfront. I think we both feel a little let down by it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been, you know, there's been things going around saying it's the most disappointing movie of the year and our fan page. And it's just, it's interesting. It's tough. Like, you, you anticipate a movie so much, right. you want it to be so great. Um, and it was one of those where I think our expectations were a little high. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about it on the show. It, it just, it just missed a little bit. Yep. Yeah. It. I mean, we'll talk about specifically all of the reasons. But before we do all that, guys, I should let everybody know this mm-hmm. is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network. Grab yourself a bucket full of pop culture, as that is what we talk about here on the network. Uh, we talk about action movies on this show. Yes, we do. Those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one. I mean, aside from the loose rule of being made after 1981, which. We have stuck to, but it's not really a hard and fast rule as much anymore. But rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that it's pretty fair to say that Charlize plays by her own rules. She's also the smartest person in the room. Which is our um, second rule. Which is second. The hero and the villain have to always be the smartest people, beings, things, aliens, dinosaurs, whatever in the room. Now, is the bad guy the uh, smartest guy in the room? Kind of, I guess. It's always interesting with movies like this. Uh... And, and we're going to reference John Wick a lot on this episode because not only was it by the same directing team or one of the same uh, directors that did John Wick, um, but it feels, I mean, they feel very closely related, you know. It's in the same, it's in the same family. Yeah, and uh, they don't really have, in these movies, they don't really have a great villain. There wasn't really a great villain in John Wick 1 or 2, and he no. wasn't really the smartest guy in the room. I mean, he was, to an extent. It's like it's like the same thing in Equalizer. It's like he's supposed to be really menacing, Jason Isaacs. Yes. Um, and he is menacing, but it's like you... I think the issue is that because it's an action movie, 
you never really believe there's any chance the hero's not going to crush the villain in the end. Exactly. Like, there's never... You, you don't think that this guy's going to compete with Charlize, and then they always do that thing where they kind of... So, in the same way that John Wick used all the cliches masterfully, yeah. this used them poorly, I think, and, like, the cliche of the kids playing around, and it's like, oh, you guys are listening to music. Stand up. Skateboarding, right. huh? It's like, we all know how this scene's gonna end. Yeah, right. That dude's gonna beat him to death with a skateboard. Right. And everyone's gonna be scared of him, and then yeah. he's gonna give out some executive order. Right. You know, and it's one of those things where it's like, he's not the smartest guy in the room, he's menacing, he's a bad guy, but it just feels cardboard. Yeah, he's just predictable. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why do people say that Die Hard's the greatest action movie of all time. It's, it's ha- Mr. Krupa. Yeah, it's because it has maybe the greatest villain of all time, maybe. Yeah. And it's hard to create those villains, but I think you have to spend... You have to really pay a lot of attention to making your villain unique. Um, And also one of the things that makes Gruber so satisfying is that not only is he the smartest, but in the end, when it all breaks down, he's just after money. So he's not only smart, but he's he is like he is uh, predictable and real in that sense. Yeah. He's just a thief. He's a brilliant thief, and that's what he is. And he doesn't need to be more than that. He's just a brilliant thief. Yeah, there's just one thing. It doesn't need to be multi-layered. He's just a genius, and he just wants money. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that is rule uh, number two. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure. When I say political, it does mean that the hero could be the man <laughs> or work for the man and Such as... could be an MTA operator in the taking of Pelham 123. I mean, why not? I mean, why why not? Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater, guys. Uh, she's a secret <clears throat> agent, so she's political. Yep. She works for the man. Yeah, she absolutely works for the man. She's a, she's a secret agent. Which which of the man's men? Man's? Which one? We don't know until we don't the very know. end. <laughs> and uh, rule number four, there's a minimum of one explosion. Um, yeah, there's definitely an explosion. In this yeah. Movie. So um, we didn't cover our social media bases. Let's do that real quick. Guys, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Andrew Guy, and you can find the podcast on Twitter at AMA Podcast. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. You can find the suit at Zara. Just kidding. Um, no, uh, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. And uh, we have a Facebook group, guys. Dude. We have a Facebook group that's some wonderful fans on this show I think just shy of two months ago now started a Facebook group Uh, a couple there was like three or four of them that are devoted diehard fans Uh, and I will say at the time that it started there was like 25 people in the group and Andrew and I were excited because we could talk about our favorite topics with what we felt were like the 25 most diehard fans but about two months later there's like 325 people and it keeps adding about six or seven people a day and guys, I gotta say, the more people, the more fun the group is. It's it's turning into like a legitimate community for the fans of this show and just fans of good movies. I don't yeah. even want to just say action movies. I think just good movies in general. Those conversations, the, the threads will span 20, 30, 40, 50 comments. So go join that group. Let's try to get that up to 400 uh, by, you know, by the middle of this month. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, 4,000 plus comments and counting. We've got people from all over the world, the Philippines, the UK. Like, I love it. And, you know, someone just joined today. Uh, Jackie Adams. I'm going to just shout her out real quick. Yeah. Uh, thanks for letting me join. I started listening to you guys on iTunes. I'm enjoying the podcast so much. I started the podcast from the beginning, and I just finished Man on Fire. I'm having a hard time taking my earbuds out. I'm so excited to keep about catching up. Keep up the good work. Ah, that makes me so happy. It's amazing. Like, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And Marina's in there throwing up. Uh, she's she does social media posts every single day. So, guys, join, follow us. Yeah, let's get in the discussion. Do the thing, guys. Yeah. Do the thing. Um, so anyway, guys, that is how we always kick off the show. What we're going to do right now, though, is we're going to queue up the trailer for Atomic Blonde. Is it the best part of the movie? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, man. Sick. Yeah. I man. chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. 
today. Lorraine Broughton, expert in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Agent Gascoigne was killed last night. And their like relationship was know? just like enough yeah. to say though. He had an atomic bomb of information. Yeah, that's one of the sweetest lines. Our yeah. And trust no one. An atomic bomb of information. Yeah. Like, the movie employed some of my favorite cliches in a really good way. I will yeah, say that. For sure. There was definitely moments where I was like, this is sweet. David Persons, your content. Welcome to Berlin. I'm David Don't... And Shoot, I've, I've got your shoe. Yeah, it, this oh, felt in a lot of ways like a guy. David Leach was like, Kingsman worked really well, and I love the 80s, and Drive was successful. I cannot wait to watch Kingsman's service or whatever. You look like you need saving. Yeah, what a strange movie in the end. Yeah. So you made contact with the French operator? Obviously. I like the whole room interrogation yeah. the whole time. Is... <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. The clock is ticking, and everyone you get close to ends up dead. This is, I think, the main trailer. Someone set me up. Someone uh, from the inside. I'm pretty sure this no, is the main trailer. The, the one that I remember I'm watching is the the first one or the second one. That was an amazing shot. I will say that. What? The shot through the car of her shooting out the back window that yeah. stayed tracking yeah, yeah, yeah. to the car flipping over was totally. awesome. <clears throat> yeah, it's like watching the trailer, it gets me almost makes me want to watch the movie again. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Yeah. I feel the exact same way. God, I think I love you. That's too bad. That's too bad. It, <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet trailer. And the one that I remember, the one that I remember is actually the very first one they released, which is the trailer that started with her coming out of the elevator. Yeah. And fighting those dudes. That And that's, it like was the long action scene. The best action scene in the movie, which they only show some of in this. Yeah, thank but God. But that first trailer, the one that I saw, showed most of that scene. And that's like, so let's just call it what it is, guys. I'm going to open this up with thesis statement because thesis yeah. statement is it's the part of the show where you have a thought that really is grounded. Something the greatest this, the only this, the one this, the last this. It should never be like my favorite this. And I'm going to say it. This movie did not need more than a trailer. They literally could have shot the trailer and never released the movie and I would have been more satisfied. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I know what you're talking about. Like, they have those weird, um, fan-created trailers and movies for yeah. things. Like, there was this really awesome fan-created thing for Mortal Kombat a, a few years ago, or a handful of years ago, and then it, it spawned, like, a web series that was not good. Right. Um, but I totally know what you mean, man, because if this was just a sweet action short to, like, maybe sell Charlize as, like, the greatest female action star yeah. of, of whatever, like, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, it's like a promo video. Right. Like, kind of how, uh, didn't Andrew Garfield do something like that for when he got cast in The Amazing Spider-Man? He shot, like, a really sweet audition tape. That's oh. kind of like what this is. You know, like, this is like, I could be any badass action chick you wanted, put right. me in any movie. 
Not this one. Well, so let's let's just make something abundantly clear here, guys. We are going to talk a lot about John Wick, and we are going to talk a lot about the disappointments of this movie. The movie definitely had a lot of sweet parts, and the only reason you're hearing this opinion from us is that if I was going to make my short list, in fact, I did three months ago talk about the five movies this summer I was most looking forward to, I think this was number two or number three. I think the, the five movies we were looking forward to the most this summer, the last five we've covered on the show almost. You yeah. Know? Like, the list, it was like Dunkirk, and it was this, and like... I really wanted this movie to be everything it was cracked up to be. I was so excited for it mm-hmm. to be. So for it to be a little bit of a letdown is a bit of a letdown. And that's the reason that you're getting this attitude from us. However, there's so many elements to this movie that make it more relevant for us to talk about on this show than most movies that come out. Yes. That we're happy to be here to do it. But the reason I say that about the trailer is thinking about the first trailer I saw with the one really long extended action sequence that starts in the elevator. They show a lot of it. Like, you could you could uh, allot a budget of say like five million dollars to go shoot a two and a half minute trailer for a lot of awesome concepts and if there was a way to monetize that so that people act, like if there was some way for the company to monetize that I think yeah. that would actually be a reasonable model get a list stars to shoot these trailers because and then if the, if the trailer is a huge hit and everybody loves it then you make the movie right like a Deadpool effect happens or something like that yeah <laughs> and and this to me is feels like one of those situations you know it's like they knew they were going to be able to cash in on the success of John Wick so this movie will at least make its money back it had you know this is based on a comic book so there was a little bit of source material and a fan base a fandom that was going to go pay to see it and uh in the end it just feels like to me most of the rest of the movie the stuff that I didn't see in the trailer was just cliche and irrelevant like the coolest parts of this movie were that trailer and that trailer was awesome yeah the trailer's great um it uses the move music effectively which it kind of falls flat in the film and yeah like ben's saying it's it's never fun to cover a movie that you're kind of let down by right um and it's also it would be inappropriate for us to to cover it the same way that we cover movies we love like if we were to sit here and lie to you and just try to sell you on watching atomic blonde it would just feel it would feel wrong. We've uh, done a hundred plus hours, and a lot of you have listened to every one of those hours. Yeah. So you know our opinions on movies, and being dishonest with you guys in any way is not what we're in the game to do. No, and if you were to hear this episode and we were to just praise it the whole time, and then you go watch the movie, you'd be like, "What the what just happened?" Yeah, I thought I, I thought I appreciated your guys' opinion. Yeah. what happened? So again, it's we're we're going to be as honest as we can. We're going to appreciate what we can. We're going to be uh, critical of what we should. So uh, to jump in with my thesis. I'm having a really hard time with it, and I think I'll just dumb it down to this. In the way that John Wick, and I almost just said it when we when I was talking about the trailer, in the way that John Wick utilizes action movie cliches masterfully, Atomic Blonde is an example of using all of these exact same cliches in the same way, the same movie, the same director, the same, even a higher star caliber. And it just falling completely flat. I think this is the greatest example of doing the exact same thing that you just tried to do. You know, people say insanity is trying the same thing twice and expecting a different answer. This is like the opposite of that. This is doing the same thing twice and getting a completely different result. Yeah. Completely. I mean, look, we talked about that on the John Wick 2 episode on this show, which is like it's it. you think you have a formula for how to do this right, and you don't. Nobody knows how to do it right. Everybody in Hollywood thinks they have this, the, the, the secret pill to a success, to a hit. Yeah. And everybody's trying to copy each other's formula so they can make as much money as possible. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. What did they do wrong in this movie? I don't know. I, I couldn't mean, tell you. Dude, you could literally dumb it down to the fact that you killed a dude instead of a dog. That's yeah. it. I We all... Everyone, all you had to do was kill a dog in John Wick. And we we're like, no. Yeah, right. You cannot do that. <laughs> we, he has to do everything to redeem this. You must get revenge. And it was like so, and it was so like, 
the casting of Keanu was yeah. so correct because it's like sad Keanu yeah, on the bench. Exactly. And he's burying his wife and they kill his dog and now he's back. Now he's back. I'm back. Yeah. Uh and and like with Charlize, it's so funny because it's like they killed a dude, like her lover, her secret lover. They killed a dude with a bad mustache and she yeah. has to go crazy. Yeah, and we're just like, who cares? Yeah. You know, it's so weird. But um yeah, man, I just think it was one of those things where you try the exact same thing twice. With even higher star power, I think Charlize has a lot more credit behind her name um, at the time that this was made than Keanu had when John Wick 1 was made. Oh, yeah, big you time. Know? She's, she is, I think, pretty safely entrenched right now as the biggest female, ac- the biggest actress in the world. Is there somebody bigger than Charlize Theron right now? Nah, I don't know. She was in Fast 8 this summer. Yeah. She was in Atomic Blonde. She was in Mad Max. She was Furiosa two years ago. Yeah. She's like... She's the, she's in the Huntsman franchise. Like I feel like right now, if you were going to try to come up with somebody who had more cred than Charlize, oh. I don't know what that list is. I, f- I think it's just her. It's got to be. The only other people on the list are like the other superhero women of the world and the Gal Gadot's and Scarlett Johansson's, but they're not even close to her level yet because, first of all, she's an Academy Award winner. Yep. And second of all, her career spanned for over, what, two decades? Yeah. Now, I know? mean, she won an Oscar for Monster, which I think was two. 2003, I'm pretty yeah, sure. sounds right. Um, I mean, we're looking 14 years ago when she won her Oscar, and even at that point, she wasn't brand new. She had still been acting for a little bit, yeah. so she's been around for almost two decades. And not only is that, but she's been around for two decades, and she's still kicking ass. Like, she's like, looks amazing, she's running around, she's like doing wild shit. So, I think she's the biggest in the world right now. Yeah, so let, I think that's an interesting conversation. We both got our thesis out of the way, and, 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 you know, they were a little critical. So, let's talk about something awesome about this movie. Charlize is essentially the biggest action star or female actress in the world. Who is following in her footsteps? Like, wh- who are the women out there that are, like, the up-and-coming next Charlize? Because we're getting to this time in movies. It's an excellent time in movies. Yeah. Or women superhero, women badasses, women anything, secret agents, it's a thing now. And yeah. It's totally believable. Rebecca Ferguson did it. Gal Gadot did it. Yeah. She's doing it right now. Charlize is. Emily Blunt. Alicia Vikander. Like, there's all these people. Yeah. So who are the ones? Who are, like, the next up and coming? What's the list? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I, I, I do think that Charlize probably has another four or five years that she'll be, she'll be doing this kind of role. A sequel. For sure, I probably. think she'll do a sequel to Atomic Blonde, yeah. and if not Atomic Blonde, she'll she'll show up in another action franchise. She'll I mean she's in great shape. Which is another thesis that I had is that I think the sequel for this movie will be better than this. Yeah, I I, I think there will be a sequel. I yeah. feel like there will be. I feel like there should be. Um, and so <laughs> weirdly enough, yeah. So Charlize, I think, is the top of the list. I would say I do like Rebecca Ferguson a lot in that I role. Love, I love Life. I absolutely love life. And that yeah. new movie, The Snowman or whatever, with her and Fastbender looks awesome. She does, because she comes from a, a classically trained background, she does seem like she's not trying to go heavily in the action direction, but she yeah. is in Mission Impossible 6. So I wouldn't be surprised if she was able to book like a pretty sick action franchise. And she's one of the few people out there that uh, can hold screen time with Mr. Cruz and, and, sh- and, and like almost steal the scene from him. She dominated, yeah, she dominated a lot of the scenes she was in in that she movie. She was incredible in MI5. She's the, of of the MI chicks that have shown up so far, I think she's far and away the best, right? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like a lot of the other ones that are in there. Um, I do I do like Maggie Q. I and like Maggie I, Q. I like Patty, uh, or not, what's her name? The, Pat, uh, Pat, oh, oh, Paula Patton. Paula Patton. Paula Patton. Patty. Patty. Patty Paula. Patty Paula. Samsonite. Samsonite. Way off. Fanny Newton. Um, but no. But she, like, was legitimately convincing as a badass. Totally. Like, her fight scene. And, and the other thing, too, is 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, no. She was just completely convincing as a badass. There was no moments of like this couldn't. Yeah. So Charlize and Ferguson are two great ones. We love Blunt, and Blunt is going down that road. Like she was great in Sicario. Yeah. Edge of Tomorrow, she was awesome in. Um, and she'll she, be in the sequel. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's another one that I'm forgetting. I mean, she's in Looper, but she's not an action character in Looper. Yeah, but she is she's, tough in Looper. She's great in Looper. Yeah, with the shotgun. She's awesome. Uh, it's interesting, like, someone like Jennifer Lawrence, because she's kind of been forced into, like, this, um, it's a different type of female badass, because it's it's so mainstream. She, yeah, because it's of like fantasy. Mystique, and in the X-Men franchise, and, and then the, she's also... the Hunger Games, And the Hunger Games franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I've never seen Winter's Bone of you. I actually have never watched Winter's Bone, and I know I would love it. I feel like, isn't that kind of an action movie? That's what I've heard. Mm, I don't think so. I think it's just really dark. Oh, really? Gnarly, yeah. Okay. I thought for some reason someone told me that was like an action movie, but... I could be wrong. She's, uh, yeah, I mean, J-Law is definitely up there. She's mm-hmm. She's got that, she's got that confidence, that type. Um, but I, I feel like she, she's she's kind of in a weird place in her career. She's in trouble in her career, I think. You think so? I really do, and, and not because I don't like her. I just think that she's kind of in this weird place of... She did these X-Men movies, and she did these Hunger Games movies. They're all kind of coming to an end, and they all kind of petered out poorly. Yeah. Passengers kind of flopped. Passengers kind of flopped. And then what was that? What's the, I always forget the second Silver Linings play. What's Silver Linings Playbook 2 called? <laughs> well, she's got all the David O. Russell movies. She mm-hmm. did three of them, right? There was yeah. Silver Linings Playbook. There was um, American Hustle. And then there was Joy. Joy. She right. did all three. Yeah. And I think they're all David O. Russell movies. Mm-hmm. And... She's good. She got Academy Award nominations for a couple of them. Yeah. Um, she's a good actress. She's a very good actress. She's done a great job in a lot of things I've seen her in. But, yeah, I would agree with you. I, I do think that sort of that that uh, Oscar moment bankability that Jay lost up from a couple years ago feels like it's faded off a little. I feel like she could have a career a lot like Charlize's. Maybe she quiets down for a okay. few years yeah, yeah, and yeah. comes back, does an awesome Oscar movie. Um, what about Amelia Clark? No, so, I no, because I don't watch Game of Thrones. and She's great, but she's not an action and character. And then... You never saw Terminator Genesis. I just did you? actually watched oh, last you did. week. Finally, yeah. and what'd you think? Oh, it's a bad movie. Real bad. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like from the second that all they set all the stuff up at the beginning, and like I'm just like, oh yeah, Jai Courtney and Jason Clark in the same movie. I yeah. was like, two irrelevant white guys exactly. in Hollywood. Yeah, I was like, this like is the dude. What are we getting ourselves into? Yeah, uh, I was like, where the fuck did Jason Clark come from? How did he have that two year run? Crazy. It's like it makes no sense. It's the Edgerton effect. It's like yeah. that, not Edgerton. Uh, uh, the Worthington effect. Yeah, the Worthington effect. When that stuff happens, you're like, you booked, you managed to book like Zero Dark Thirty, Everest, Terminator Genesis, and what's the fourth one? I'm forgetting. Uh, Dawn. And Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> yeah. all in the course of like two years, and like I didn't know who you were, and I kind of still feel like the world doesn't really know who you are. Totally. Like I know most people, if I showed a picture, they would be like, uh, I don't know his name. Massive. And I yeah. actually like him. He's actually I, quite I actually good. do too. I like him a lot more than Jay Courtney. Same. I actually like him a lot more than I thought I liked him before. So, uh, but, but yeah, so like they go, he goes back in time, and you're like, okay, like what are we getting ourselves into? And then like Schwarzenegger shows up, and he looks all old, and yeah. you're like. Oh, this is like this is not <laughs> this good. Is not <laughs> and then there's like a sniper, and then you have like the different timeline and the T one thousand, and it's just like right. this is just a bad idea. Whoever came up with this idea, this was not a good decision. We did not cover that on the show. No, like that's that movie to me when I was watching it felt like okay. You just heard the news right last week that Cameron wants to do a new Terminator trilogy. Oh God, I did not hear that. Uh, 
it's like as as critical of Cameron's decision to make four more avatars as I am, and I am. Yeah, I would still rather see Cameron try to make three more Terminators, hundred oh, percent, than more avatars, th- and than any of the last three Terminator movies because yeah. they've all been bad. <laughs> yeah, and like it's just a reminder that like director is everything. Like director is so important. Content uh, is everything. A hundred percent. Who gives um, a shit about the franchise? And then I think lastly to close out this list, the best person is Sophia Batella. I think she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So Vivatella has got like a definitely. She's definitely got a pretty sweet moment in front of her. I love her as Gazelle in Kingsman. Yeah, amazing, super gorgeous, and just a badass. It's a cool character too. Mummy, she was really awesome. She was great. She didn't she, get enough screen time. Yeah, she didn't get enough uh, uh, lines. Yeah, exactly. She didn't get enough lines. And then uh, in this movie, not at all what I expected. I did not think that she was just going to be like, okay. Let's just talk about it. Yeah. Let's just talk about the weird, gratuitous nudity and lesbian sex scenes. And, like, it just felt out of place. And I wish Marissa was in the booth. Not that we don't like you, Brianna, up there. Uh, but Marissa has covered this show on, or this movie on her show. And, yeah. and I wanted to talk to her about it from a female point of view. What the hell? It was really bizarre to... There's a couple different things I noticed. The first one is, you have to remember sometimes that the where, where these people's careers are at the time they film the movie versus when you see it. And yes. so Via Butella has really only been relevant since she was announced as the mummy mm-hmm. because she was great in Kingsman and that movie was a hit. But, but she I, was, I didn't even really know her name after that. Yeah, after know? that movie, you're like, it's that girl from Kingsman. Mm-hmm. And so at the time she's filming this movie, she's probably doing some mummy stuff. So it's probably kind of like, yeah, I'll do nudity. Why not? Like, I'm, I'm young. I'm just going to, like, see what happens in my career. That'll be cool to be in the John Wick follow-up with Charlize. Like, that's a good decision. And I'll do a sex scene with, with, with Charlize. Yeah. Like, a, on paper? Yeah. Uh, What's up, Marissa? Oh, hey, Marissa's here. Okay, so Marissa, what did you think? We're, we're having a conversation right now about, like, the gratuitous nudity and the odd, like, lesbian sex relationship between Sophia and Charlize. And ha- did it feel gratuitous? Was it, like, did it feel awkward? Like, how did you feel as a woman watching that? I felt it was definitely gratuitous. I mean, I think it was more of a visual play for maybe to attract, not to sound terrible, the men to the show that no, might, totally. uh, uh, find that interesting to watch. I didn't understand the relationship because she, totally. I mean, she got maybe one snippet of information from from her. Yeah. But it was already, I felt like it was information that audience already knew about and didn't need this character. Totally. And especially how the relationship ended at the end or like with her unfortunate death. Not to, you know, spoiler alert and jump ahead. Mm-hmm. It, there wasn't much payoff to this relationship and I didn't feel the need for this extra character. I also, I also like a big part for thank me. You. Yeah, thank you, Marissa. Was that so? Two things like the Sofia Batella thing I was saying, but then with Charlize, I'm kind of like, you're like an Oscar winner who's in your 40s and you're, you're like super one of talented. the most respected women in Hollywood. Yeah, like I didn't feel like it was necessary at all. Like I, I'm wondering what the conversation looked like where they were just like. We're just going to, like, kind of throw in a bunch of, like, you being naked scenes. Yeah. You're going to, like, stand up and we'll show your ass. And, like, we're going to have a bunch of, like, peripheral nipple. It's like, why? I didn't need any of that in this And to movie. speak to Charlize and her comfortability with nudity and all that, I don't know a lot about it. Um, but I'm pretty sure. And I don't. And uh, again, this is me speaking completely off of just what I. My yeah. thoughts. Yep. Um, I feel like she's the type of woman that is so confident and comfortable in her body that, and she's also the type of woman that doesn't care about being nude on camera. Yeah. I think that she's just that type of person. Totally. I don't know if that's true or not. So I think when David Leach approached her, it was probably like, oh yeah, sure. But I think it was in her mind. It's one of those things. Like if I'm going to get naked, it's going to be for art. Yeah. You know, and like the payoff while filming those scenes probably seemed much stronger. And then going through and watching and editing, she's probably like, 
come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't. It wasn't one of these things where I'm, I blame Charlize, and it's not one of these things where I think that that's a massive flaw in the movie. But for all the things, we're, all the reasons we're talking about, it's like it could have been a a, a male female sex scene of the same variety, and I would have still felt like it was unnecessary. Look, it just I, didn't. It just didn't. It wasn't like important in the movie for that to happen. It just felt like we're just throwing it in to throw it in. And I thought this was a smarter movie than that. I, I think maybe they also threw in Sophia Botella's character because maybe to. Uh, give more females to the to the screen. There are a lot of males in this in this movie. That's and true. Charlize is the only woman, so I think maybe pair her up with another woman, it wouldn't feel much like a sausage fest. That yep, was. that's a good point because she is like the only woman in this movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I. So I went and saw this movie. I went and saw it by myself. Uh. And I did a reserved seating, and I was sitting next to this dude. Like, I came in, and it was like, I, I got there a little early. It was literally me and him and one other person in the theater. I came, I was like, hey, what's up, dude? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. And we sat down in the theaters. The seats didn't fill up around us till like, the movie started, so it was really awkward. Um, but when the scenes came on, when the, the lesbian sex scene was actually happening, him and I kind of gave each other this look. And it wasn't like a, Ugh. Yeah. It was one of these, like... Like, we were kind of both uncomfortable to be sitting next to each other watching it. Yeah. And it wasn't because it was like, it's like watching a sex scene with your parents. It was like yeah. two grown-ass men realizing what's trying to happen. Yeah. It's like someone holding out money or food in yeah, front of you. Yeah, 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 And you're just kind of like looking at each other like, I'm smarter than this. Yes, exactly. That's how I felt about it. It yeah. made me feel dumb watching it. Yeah. A lot of this movie made me feel stupid as an audience. A lot of this movie made me feel like, okay, like, th- we were retreading old tropes here. But we're selling it as something that's like cool and sexy and edgy. All of the reasons that Drive was so good, yeah. you, employing the music, employing the '80s vibe, the neon look. Well, you said a really uh, you said a really cool thing in the car here. You said uh, the, the reason that Drive succeeded was because it was set present. Yeah, present day, referencing like that culture as nostalgia, and it was using style and all these things, and it even employed like '80s action movie villain sort of. All these characteristics, but it was a good movie. And it took the 80s and brought it to here. Yeah, whereas then you go back and you set it in that time, the whole thing becomes like all of these nods to like, we're in the 80s, let's be really 80s, all the yeah. style's going to be 80s, all the music's going to be 80s, the lighting. like, And it was just kind of like, this movie wanted to be stylish so bad. It, wa- it was so invested in being stylish. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we I think we were just in the... Oh, no, we hadn't gotten to character profiles just No, yet. but we got to get to Fist Pump because we have been talking about what we didn't love about the movie. So let's talk about what we do love about the movie. Fist Pump's yeah. that moment where you're sitting there, you're watching the movie, and something happens. You look around. You're like, you see this? This yeah. is actually happening? Like, yeah. you're in the theater, and people start going, oh, oh. Yeah, you like, yeah. look at the person next to you. The guy next to you is like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I had a, I had a few... Yeah. But the one that popped out to me the most, and the reason that I said that line, was because there was this older gentleman in the theater, and for the last, like, 20, 30 minutes, you know, the crazy action, yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy was just like, oh, yeah, whoa, <laughs> wow, like, yelling like that. And I loved it. And and the first time he did it was when, it's right after Charlize is, is like, talking to that, the blonde dude that calls her, he's like, you know... Yeah. Die, or like some settle down bitch or whatever yeah, right. he says and she says the line back to him and, he, and she like kicks his ass for a little bit and he kind of like comes at her like tries to stab her and she takes it and she stabs him in the throat with his own knife pops the knife again so it yeah. goes in farther and then flips him down over the stairs yeah totally and they show the shot of the dude flying down the stairs I was just like yes that yeah. was 
so brutal. Like, if we're going to talk about brutal awesomeness, which apparently I love, yeah. like Baby Driver, I did the same thing. It yeah. was Kevin Spacey blew those dudes' heads off yeah. with a shotgun. Yeah. There's just something so like, brutal about the execution. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, yes! Um, so, yeah, I love that. It was awesome. I, yeah, I think for the fist pump moment, it's pretty hard to ignore that whole sequence. From the beginning, uh, yeah. all the way through what you're talking about at the end when they're fighting in the hotel room, it was just awesome. It Amazing. was just like... The action was visceral. It was all the things that David Leach was clearly involved in in John Wick that were great. Mm-hmm. All the, the choreography and the fighting. Like, Charlize was just such a badass. And, like, oh, my God, her fighting style. And, yeah, it was so brutal. And 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 people talk a lot about her body type and, like, whether it was believable or not. Dude, it was totally believable. Charlize is a big chick, by the way. I don't know if you guys know this. She's, like, I think she's Charlize is, like, tall. 5'11", maybe. Yeah. She's, like, very, she's just, like, tall and, and like, menacing. Yeah, I mean, she's the type... I mean, you've told me about being in the same room as her. It's like, when that woman walks in a room, you can feel it. Yeah, like presence. She's got this incredible presence about her. It's like she could kick her ass, kick your ass with the way she looks. So imagine yeah. if she knew how to fight. Right. You know? Totally. Yeah, and she did... I mean, she did her hand-to-hand stuff. Like, she, yeah. you see those training videos. The one thing is that, that that whole sequence on the stairs, I think, was supposed to look like it was one shot. Yeah, and Marissa and I were talking about this. So we had a couple comments on our page about, like, the greatest one-shot action scene ever. Yeah. It's not even close, guys. Um, Unfortunately, uh, if you want to pretend that it's one-shot, if we're going to play that game where we pretend these things are one-shots, like, even the one in Kingsman is better. Yeah. If we're going to pretend. Right. Um, But if we're not going to pretend, you know... pretty pretty obvious cuts in this one. Yeah. it It would duck, like past a pillar the camera mm-hmm. would move and that's an obvious cut yeah those are good secrets to use in the business but like i mean I, just for the record we don't know that we're we're assuming that and i've heard people yeah. theorize about it if david leach somehow sees this and it, and it is not true call me out please come totally. on the show i will be so happy to be wrong yes absolutely <laughs> uh if you actually did do that full eight minute choreograph scene i tip my hat to you but like for for my money it's old boy and, and, like, if people have not seen Old Boy and you have seen Daredevil, it's basically the same scene. Yeah, right. It's the same hallway scene, one shot. The Old Boy one is more badass, in my opinion. Um, but there's great ones. Even in, like, Children of Men, it's not really an action yeah, shot, but it is a, a really long shot. So, um... The beginning of Snake Eyes. Snake <laughs> We have to get this right. Why? It doesn't matter, Brian. Yeah, Andrew and I got wasted and watched that movie together, like, six weeks ago. It was really bad. Yeah, that was... I, like, was... I don't know if it was as drunk or I couldn't pay any attention because it was so bad, but it was a little both. <laughs> it was a phantom punch. It was a phantom punch. You got snake eyes, John. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move into star profiles here. It feels like we spent a lot of time on the first half of the show. Um, <laughs> so Charlize, and it's funny we haven't even mentioned James McAvoy yet. So maybe we should have put Sophia in, but uh, he true. was the true second lead. It felt like yeah. he was like the villain, and McAvoy was was fine. He like. He was fine. He like McAvoy's had a really interesting career. His last few movies, I mean, I didn't see Split. I've heard I did, it's good. and I liked it a lot. So that was his last movie prior to this. Uh, prior to that, it was X Men Apocalypse, which was a bad X Men movie. <laughs> and prior to that was Victor Frankenstein, which was another movie that when I saw the trailers for Victor Frankenstein, it was kind of like, this is a good example of an actor who is like perceived to be sort of a list because of the properties they're in, not being a list and ending yeah. up in a movie like Victor Frankenstein where you're just like, what are you doing in this movie? Yeah. McAvoy's had an interesting career. He's one of those guys we could have like an under over properly rated discussion Definitely. about because like of wanted, but then he's great as professor X. He was very good in splits. And he's also had the dramatic chops career. Cause he, yeah. his atonement is the breakout movie for him. Yeah. Wasn't he, was he in the Beatles one? That, that was him, right? 
the Beatles one. Oh, oh, Across the Universe? Yeah. No, that's... Oh, no, that's... Uh, ben, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, McAvoy was fine in this. He just... I don't think that he did a bad job. I think they gave him kind of a cardboard character. Yeah, he wasn't necessary. Like, you could have put any person in that role, I think, and not someone of his stature and save some money. Yeah, for sure. Status. So, and his... Yeah, his, that's his career at this point. He's definitely... You know, look, you get cast in one of these franchises that they make nine movies. People keep keep seeing them like you're going to keep working. And that's why McAvoy has managed to stay relevant through good and bad movies. And I think Split is an example of him being a leading man in a different way and it working really well. I've heard it's really good. It's good. And and he's really good in it. And so um, Charlize Theron, on the other hand, her career has been... It's spanned over decades, like we said, but most recently she did Kubo and the Two Strings, which I still haven't seen. I heard it's really good. amazing. McConaughey, yeah. Yeah, people just rave about it. Uh, the Last Face, which I don't know, and then The Huntsman, uh, The Winter's War. And also she also had... 2015. And she also had Fast and Furious 8 come out this summer. Yes, and she had Fast and Furious 8 come out. Um, she's doing great. I mean, there's not, there's not really a whole right lot now. to talk about. Um, we, I, I would love to have that over-under properly rated discussion and conversation in the future about, about McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah, it'll be another option. But I would like to talk about right now Stileski and Leach. Um, even though Chad Stileski is not involved in this film, uh, let's give a little backstory on where Leach came from. Yes, yeah, Stileski and Leach uh, had worked originally as stuntmen on Keanu Reeves' films, which is why they were able to get John Wick made. Mm-hmm. They co-directed uh, John Wick. Even so, so Leach is uncredited as director, but he is. If you go to his IMDb and look, you look at his directing credits, he has a credit on there. Yeah, there's a, a the thing with the DGA is that you cannot have two directors uh, for one film unless it's a, a special circumstance, like the Coen Brothers, for instance, or the Wachowski Brothers, yeah. or siblings now. Um, and so that's where they come from. So they have a they have a real commitment to the action genre. They have a real understanding of the action genre. And seeing John Wick, it was pretty clear that that was the brainchild of years and years doing the action kind of stuff. And they came up with this great this great idea, and they directed the shit out of that movie. Yeah. So this was, uh, this was David Leach's big... This was his big foray into his own franchise because Stahelski, I believe, went and did John Wick 2, correct? Yes, absolutely. Stahelski went to John Wick 2 and Leach split off, and this was something I kind of wanted to talk about in my thesis. I didn't really know how to say it, but it's... It's that weird thing. It's like the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck effect that happened 15 years ago where everyone thought Ben Affleck was a moron that rode Matt Damon's coattails. Then you realize that Ben Affleck was actually a genius and incredible director, and they probably, who, who knows, maybe he even wrote more than Matt Damon. Right. But in this situation... And, and I again, I, I feel bad saying this, but David Leach is clearly the lesser of the two. Like, yeah. if, if, if that's what Stileski did with, with Leach together on John Wick, and then Stileski goes and does John Wick 2 by himself, and Leach goes and does Atomic Blonde by himself, right? it's just really evident that Stileski gets directing right. and, and Leach gets action. Yep. You know? I would totally agree. Um Though, though, as we said, down the line, who knows what will happen? So yes. that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty much where these guys exist right now. That they're they are brand new to the big the big budget directing game, uh, and there's not much else to be said as far as the films they worked on over the years. Everything they're like two of the most prominent stuntmen. Yeah. All of the big Keanu movies, V for Vendetta, like just huge, huge, big, big action movies. Yeah, and props to them for like taking that step. And they don't yep. have to be stuntmen anymore, you know. Yep. And they don't do that. So stunt coordinators, yeah. short coordinators, yes. So <clears throat> that's the director. Moving on to the writer, Kurt Johnstad. He's had an interesting career. You guys probably know him from writing 300. Um, uh, Rise of the, I think it was the second 300, right? He didn't write the first one, I think. Uh, no, he wrote the Did he write the first one? He wrote both, I think. Oh, yeah. He, okay. He, I think he co-wrote the first one with Snyder, though, because they, they got nominated for a Saturn Award. Got it. <clears throat> and then um, 
He also did Active Valor. Active Valor, yep. Uh, and Atomic Blonde, and now he's currently working on Aquaman. Yes. Uh, which I think is is really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's 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 just new. He's just a new writer. He's not bad. I think, um, I mean, obviously, if you're even involved in 300 in any sense, that's going to give you credit for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but he's fine. I mean, this movie was adapted from a... From a uh, <clears throat> a, a comic essentially yeah. called The Coldest City. Do you know anything about that? I don't, and I'm a comic book guy. Uh, it's just not a comic I've ever heard of. I do know that any any like new original property that comes out from one of the smaller presses usually gets optioned really fast. So this mm-hmm. is, this could have been a small comic with like an interesting background that a studio optioned years ago. And you think that they on? just they just like wanted? Do you think they just took a comic? Because it's like a thing right now. Well, yeah, I think there's two things. I think a when you when you option the property, what you're doing is essentially guaranteeing to some degree you're going to have a fandom involved. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some number of people that are going to want to watch the film. And then secondly, you have like tried and true source material that like some publishing press was like this is good enough for us to make. Um, so it's like you're almost you're like this idea is validated. It's not the same as like somebody just writing a screenplay and somebody else saying this is a good screenplay. Right. It's like somebody spent money to produce that as a published work and it's out for sale. So like another set of eyes validated as being decent. You know, an yeah. enterprise trying to make money validated this is something that they thought they could make money with. So they're just extrapolating that to the higher. That's why I think people option comic books and books and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, that definitely makes sense. Uh, and then producing-wise, this was like done by a team of producers. Charlize was probably at the, the head of it, although Kelly McCormick, I think, took the first credit in the, yeah. in the actual theater. We pretty much, when it came to this movie, had, had an agreement that like the action sequences, the coordinating, that shit's awesome, but... It, this is not the type of movie we want to focus on the producers. It's no, just, the only thing that's cool about it is that she is producing Deadpool 2. Yes. That's the one thing that is good to know. Yep. And I think uh, one of these guys is involved, one of the one of the directors <coughs> or writers, somebody's involved in Deadpool 2 in some way. I, <laughs> I can't remember which. Maybe, maybe it's David Leitch is directing Deadpool 2? God, I hope not. <laughs> he might be, actually. I really hope not. You should look that up. Yeah, I'm going to go into the numbers here. So this is uh, this is interesting, guys. This movie did not do very well, but it didn't actually do very badly for itself either, if that makes sense. So it was uh, released this last weekend um, by Focus Features for twenty million or for thirty million dollars. That's all it cost to make. Um, it grossed eighteen million domestic, an additional five point nine million foreign for a, a grand total of twenty four million dollars worldwide. So. Look, the fact that it's already almost made its money back in the first weekend and it was number four, number four behind Dunkirk, the Emoji Movie, and Girls Trip, it was number four behind those movies. Uh, I, I actually heard Girls Trip was quite good. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, I'm down. I, I uh, But the fact that, like I said, it's made, it's made $24 million. It only needs to make six more. It yep. will make it. Um, critically, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. People like it? 7.2 on IMDb. What? Seems really high. Really high. And then uh, Rotten Tomatoes, all top and and audience, respectively, 75, 78, and 68%, which seems much more correct to me. And we've never had a movie done on this show where the audience score is that low for something that isn't critically acclaimed. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm actually surprised that the first two were over 70. That's crazy to me. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Look, guys, the twist... What twist? Yeah, right. The story, like... I felt like the movie was over already at the time she said, I, 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 what should I wear to meet the queen? I was like, okay, roll credits, I'm walking yeah. out. And then they gave us like 15 more minutes of action, and I was like, this is why. Yeah. This movie's too long. It's too long, and it wasn't even that long. An hour 55 is long. It is long, but like, how long was John Wick? First one, 140-something? I, I don't know, but it, it was better. It was, <laughs> I don't know, but it was good. Uh, I completely agree. Um... 
He is directing Deadpool 2. He is? David Leitch is directing Deadpool 2. No. How <laughs> did that happen? Because I'm sure this movie hadn't come out yet and he was already doing it. Because uh, the director, because, because yeah, the director stepped course. down, remember? Oh, right, 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 right. That yeah. makes sense. Um, what about the twist? What twist? We don't even need to talk about it. It's a waste yeah. of time. Uh, let's get into favorite line then. Let's get back to the happiness. Yes. Do you have sweet favorite lines? <laughs> I actually do. Uh, there's a couple different ones that I really liked. Um, so... I really enjoy at the beginning when whatever his uh, McGuinness or whatever the guy's name is, um, the the guy with the mustache. Okay, sure. When he's like, I thought I'd be killed by the best. You're not the best at all. And then he he just like shoots him. And then again later when when the execution happens, when McAvoy is like, she looks at McAvoy and she's like, it's uh, it's double double the pleasure when you deceive yeah. the deceiver. See the deceiver, and yeah. he's like, "Well played," and she just shoots him. Yeah, because it's like sweet the the like no hesitation shoot the guy in the oh, head. I moments. love the no hesitation shoot the guy in the head moments. Yeah, that's one of my mo- favorites. Yeah, those are both good lines. I also and I also like when Charlize is like, "Cocksucker, yeah. <laughs> did you say something?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good line. Uh, I think my favorite line is. Um, it's the one I was telling you earlier. I didn't say it because it's the guy goes. He said something about like settle down bitch or whatever and then she says back to yeah. him in russian or whatever language what does she say i'm who's your bitch now or i'm not yeah am i your bitch now oh, am i your bitch now yeah. and then the knife to the throat and, oh, that was that moment okay so guys this is me being honest i almost walked out of the theater which I, moment i literally almost walked out of the theater right before all that sweet oh all the sweet badness that badass area happened right before uh, mcavoy shoots uh, whatever his name is. Yeah. I can't remember any of these people's names. Like Serpent, Snake Eyes, Slash. Oh, uh. You know, like Satchel is one of them. He's Satchel. McAvoy he's Satchel. is Satchel. Well, actually, she's Satchel. Oh, right. Yeah. He, he She blames that Satchel's on him with the mixtape. Again, right. it's all this Oh, John stupid. Wick was an hour 47. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Uh, who, the f- uh, his name was Money, S- Money. Money, Sunday. Money Pushy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Get out of my dreams and into my car. Uh. <laughs> All right, and so for the AMA questions, guys, I feel like we kind of covered a lot of them throughout the show. There were things talking about, like, the, the, the longest action shot, and Charlize is the greatest action star, a natural evolution of Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, which I don't think so. I think it's kind of a weird Just correlation. female action star. Yeah, yeah. female action stars. Um, yeah, uh, this movie has got one good thing going for it, and that's that it's showing a... Female lead because like this happened before with Domino, yeah, and uh, there was another one I was thinking about in the '90s or the early 2000s. Oh, a Columbiana. Oh yeah, um, where this has kind of been done before and it's 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 fallen flat, right? And we've seen this year with Wonder Woman and this film, and I think we're just on a really great path for female badass action stars. It would be really cool to be able to talk about more of them on this show and be able to like recast more women on this show. Yeah, you know, totally. If you had to guess what year Columbiana came out, what do you think? 2005? No, because it's... Isn't that... Isn't the Columbiana? Is Zoe Saldana? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, what? 2000 and... Uh, I was going to guess 11. That's what my... I guess when we got to take... Bree, can we check that out I was going to do 2010. Quick? You might be right. It could... Because it's like the next year, I still think. In, it might be 2009. I was guessing 2011. 11. Boom! God, you're so much better at years <laughs> than I am. Uh... All right, so let's move on. We could do Cage versus Cruz. <laughs> what is, what is, oh, the deceiving is a deceiving a deceiver. Uh, Nick, that's not your line. That's uh, I'm writing it in. I'm writing it in. <laughs> You're the one who's getting shot here, so you don't. Also, just like showing the Machiavelli book, like 
two minutes before using the quote from Machiavelli yeah. was just like, come on. Yeah, it's just come on. I just this movie made me feel stupid. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so what category does it fall in, Ben? There are three action movie categories. Guys, there's three action movie categories. <laughs> there's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate, totally ridiculous. That's gonna be a movie like uh, I don't know, Con Air, Face Off. Uh, Demolition, Demolition Man. Man is one of our favorite examples that's to great. use, yeah. uh, and that's just like really silly movies. They like fall off, they fall flat for you in a lot of areas, but they're funny and they're engaging, and they're, and they're like, f- yeah. we love them. Like, no, no shade to those movies. Uh, totally legitimate are movies that are obviously legitimate. So something like Dunkirk or something like more like a little less obvious like the fugitive gladiator gladiator though i think that i feel like that actually ended up in the middle category for one of us maybe no, i think i uh, oh maybe, maybe not for me i can't remember but but I yeah movies yeah. that's you know they really hold together they don't really make you laugh unintentionally ever and then there's ridiculously legitimate which is the middle category and it's you kind of laugh they're they're a little silly they're grounded by something really strong to hold together but overall you know they're sort of a hybrid and for me we haven't had this conversation on the show in a few weeks like a legitimate conversation yeah we usually just ignore it yeah be- yeah for me this movie is just totally ridiculous it is right yeah there's no you, what i mean what else would it be like it, it would have to you would have to have bought into some of the characters or believed in the story in some way for it to be the middle category yeah because she's close to being she's close she's to being the a good only enough good thing in this movie she, yeah literally she's the only like, good thing even sophia batella isn't yeah. wonderful james is <clears throat> mcavoy isn't good goodman isn't good Again, like an incredible cast to throw away. Yeah, Shalise is awesome. She's She's amazing. Awesome in this movie. They needed to be one other thing in this movie to bring it to the middle category, and it wasn't there. So I'm going to agree. Totally ridiculous, unfortunately. Do you think if Fastbender and McAvoy would have been better? Oh, it'd be sweet. Right? Yeah. Or Hardy. He would never be in this movie, but just him being like a. Him being that character would be great. I feel like Fastbender is like too serious. He that, is. Yeah. He would never do this. Yeah. So anyway, guys, nice. that's uh, that's the three action movie categories. So <laughs> we only have one last thing left to do on the show, and that's going to be called the pitch. <laughs> I'm so glad that we never got the sound. No, me too. I've gotten yeah. really good at You're it. Great. <laughs> you do a good leopard growl. Uh, and we guys, we have a really exciting one coming up next yes. week. As you all know, we've kind of expanded the show slightly in the kind of movies that we're willing to cover now. We don't feel like we have to justify them as much anymore. Uh, and we have decided in honor of Detroit, which I've seen, by the way, yeah. and I did interviews with the cast, and it was awesome. Yeah, that Anthony uh, Mackie interview was, was excellent. It's a fun one, yeah, so you go check that out. Uh, we're going to do The Hurt Locker, also yes. directed by Catherine Bigelow, and also starring Anthony Mackie, Best Picture winner, 2009. We can't fucking wait. I love this movie so much. It's been playing on HBO a lot. I've been watching it over and over. Renner is just, like, such a badass. This is his breakout role. And David Morris has probably my favorite cameo of all time. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. We're really excited for this movie. It's a really good movie, so we're looking forward to you guys all getting on board with us and chatting that one through. We love Bigelow. Uh, Unfortunately, we've already done Point Break on the show. Otherwise, I'd probably have just convinced Drew to do Point Break. Um, (laughs) And uh, that's where we're at. So, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. As always, be sure to follow along. Find us on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Guy on Twitter or Instagram. You can find the podcast on Twitter at AMA Podcast. And join the fucking Facebook fan page. Yes. It's the best place to talk about movies. Go find us on Facebook, Action Movie Anatomy fan page. We're in it all the time. We're always talking to you guys. Let's get that to 400 soon. Yes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.